faith listener. Welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of John. Howdy and good morning, faithful listeners. This is a lovely Tuesday morning to read scripture, isn't it? We're in John chapter 19 today. We're going to talk about the death and burial of Jesus and where Jesus may have gone after he died. I know I've discussed that on the podcast before, but I think it'll be an interesting discussion today as well. But before we begin today, I just need to ask you guys to keep me in your prayers because I have had every single critter and insect and pest in this house. Every single time I turn around, there is a new pest in my house. The la- the only thing I haven't had yet is a snake. So the other day, I was walking upstairs to get ready for bed. I noticed, I didn't have the lights on all the way, I just had a lamp on. And I noticed this little black splat in the middle of my bathroom floor. And I was like, what the heck is that? And if I'm being honest, I thought my dog had thrown up. That's what I thought it was. And so I turned on the lights to clean it up. And when I turned the light on, I realized that it was not dog throw up, which would have been much more preferable for me. It, in fact, was a little bat. And so I quickly went downstairs, woke my husband up from his chair and forced him to go and take care of the bat for me. And so now I am like, where are these bats coming in from? And I am freaking out regularly. So if you guys could keep that in your prayers for me, that'd be very appreciated. Now, of course, if you guys have a prayer request, please send it my way. I will write you down in my prayer journal and I will keep you also in my prayers. You're going to find my contact information in the description of this podcast episode. Let's go ahead and read John chapter 19 today, verses 38 through 42. I'll be reading on the W.E.B. as usual. So go ahead and grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea or your energy drink or your protein shake or whatever you're choosing to drink this morning. And let's read these few verses together. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked of Pilate that he might take away Jesus's body. Pilate gave him permission. He came, therefore, and took away his body. Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred Roman pounds. So they took Jesus' body and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as was the custom of the Jews, is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden was a new tomb in which no man had ever been laid yet. Then because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was near at hand, they laid Jesus there. What's interesting to me is that I didn't actually realize that Nicodemus was also there to bury Jesus. And Nicodemus had a very big role, actually, in the burial of Jesus. It says that he brought all the spices to bury Jesus with. And these were really expensive spices, It was myrrh and aloes, and it also says it was 100 Roman pounds, which uh, Roman pounds were about 12 ounces each, is what my footnote says, or about 72 pounds or 33 kilograms. So that was a lot of spices and a lot of money to purchase those spices. Because don't forget, I mean, myrrh was a very expensive spice. That was what the three wise men had brought Jesus 
as one of their gifts to him back when Jesus was first born. It was myrrh, which was a burial spice, and it was a very expensive burial spice. Now, of course, it had other uses than just being a burial spice. It was used as perfume. It was used as like a skin treatment for certain uh, skin problems. And it was also used, you'll remember, in the wine that Jesus was offered at the very beginning of his crucifixion process. They actually tried to give Jesus a drink that was a mixture of myrrh and wine. They called it gall. And this gall was like a like a, a mind-altering drink that would be like a, a type of painkiller. Now, of course, Jesus refused that drink because first and foremost, he said he wouldn't drink wine until he entered into God's kingdom. And uh, secondly, he didn't take it because he didn't want those mind altering effects. He wanted to go to the cross with a very clear mind. And so Jesus did not take the myrrh internally. But at the very end, when he is about to be buried, obviously myrrh was one of the uh, ingredients used to help embalm the body. And this is actually prophecy that Jesus would not see decay of his body. Even though he was going to go to the grave, his body was not going to decay. And that was mentioned in Psalm chapter 16, verse 10. It says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption or decay, depending on the version that you read. And so this was prophecy that Jesus would not be left in the grave because Sheol or Shoal was a word that meant grave back in the old days. He wouldn't be left there and also his body would not see any decay. And so Nicodemus was the one who helped fulfill this prophecy by bringing all these spices, this aloe and this myrrh, which would help preserve the body of Jesus. But first and foremost, here in verse 38, it says, after these things, so after Jesus died and he was on the cross for some amount of time, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked of Pilate that he might take away Jesus's body. So the Romans were known actually for giving the bodies of the deceased, of the executed back to their family members and friends if somebody asked for them. So it wasn't uncommon for people to ask for the, the bodies back, especially the Jews, because the, the Jewish people had such a reverence for death because of everything in the Old Testament regarding dead bodies. So there was a, a big process for Jewish people to make sure that there wasn't just dead bodies strewn everywhere. And that was part of God's law um, about being clean regarding dead bodies. So I would guess it was not uncommon for Jewish people to ask for the bodies of the executed um, so that they wouldn't just hang there. Because I know the Romans would have had absolutely no problem just leaving Jesus to hang there dead for any amount of time ever. But the Jews were not OK with that. And so specifically, Joseph of Arimathea wanted to take Jesus's body out of respect for Jesus and because he was a secret Jesus follower, as well as Nicodemus, because he was afraid of the Jews, is what it says. He was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. So I think one of the other Gospels mentions that Joseph of Arimathea was a 
a, a member of the Sanhedrin, I'm pretty sure. So that just goes to show you that Joseph of Arimathea knew everything that was going on with Jesus and likely was there with some of Jesus's court processions before he went to the cross. And unfortunately, Joseph of Arimathea was not uh, brave enough to stand up and say that Jesus was innocent. And I'm going to guess he probably felt very guilty about this, which was one of the reasons why he himself went to Pilate, took that risk of going to Pilate, who was a very cruel man, to ask for Jesus's body. And this would have been probably very scary for Joseph of Arimathea to do this, as well as for Nicodemus, because this would show the other members of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees that Joseph of Arimathea was, in fact, a Jesus follower. This would have been scary for Joseph to go do this, but yet he he had the courage, at least now, to go do it, even though he didn't have the courage before to stand up uh, in favor of Jesus. At least now he does. And he doesn't allow Jesus's body to hang there on that cross. And Pilate grants them this. He, he allows them to take uh, Jesus off the cross. And so Joseph and Nicodemus take Jesus's body off of the cross. And we know that the women were nearby watching all of this happen and uh, they saw the entire thing. But what's really special about this is the fact that we've been going through the Old Testament and there's so many rules and regulations about the handling of dead bodies. And so Joseph and Nicodemus cared about Jesus in his death so much that they were willing to uh, become unclean, per se, in handling Jesus's body, even during Passover, specifically to make sure that Jesus had a proper burial place to lay his body. Though I could make the argument that you can't get unclean from Jesus's body. <laughs> but regardless, if you think about how Joseph and Nicodemus were unafraid of touching Jesus's body, even during Passover, it is very special what Joseph and Nicodemus did. And they likely helped get Jesus's body off the cross themselves and also helped with the uh, burial of his body. And it would have taken quite a bit of time to do this. We know that Jesus died around 3 p.m. And by the time they laid Jesus in the tomb, it was getting to be dusk and they had to hurry and do this very quickly uh, so that they could rest on the Sabbath day. Jesus died on a Friday and uh, Sabbath was coming up very quickly and there was a lot of rules and regulations regarding Sabbath as well. So they had to hurry with the process of cleaning Jesus's body and putting all the ointment and the bandages around Jesus's body. So this really would have taken quite a lot of time. So I would guess that, yes, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea themselves, along with their servants, helped with this very in-depth process of cleaning all these wounds from Jesus's body, you know, removing the dirt and and whatever else was in those wounds so that they could properly clean the body and uh bury him in the right way. So it says they they took Jesus's body in verse 40 and they bound it in linen cloths 
with the spices, as was the custom of the Jews, to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb in which no man had ever been laid. So that's actually very important that John mentions the fact that Jesus was buried in a brand new tomb where no one else was buried. This means that when Jesus woke up, there'd be like no death and corruption around him. Like everything about Jesus's burial was very pure, even to the very end of being laid in a brand new tomb. So Jesus conquered death completely. Now, going back to the time that Jesus died around 3 p.m., it does say that Jesus gave up his spirit, right? He gave up his own spirit. He died of his own free will at that point in time. And so it was the perfect timing for Jesus to die. First and foremost, because his legs didn't get broken, right? We talked about that on Thursday, I think it was, where Jesus's legs were about to be broken. And so he died and his legs didn't end up getting broken. And it was prophesied about that Jesus's legs would not be broken. No bone in his body would be broken during this process, just as the Passover lamb was not supposed to have any bones broken. Jesus was our Passover lamb. And so not a bone in his body was broken during this entire process. So that was the first reason why Jesus died when he did. Secondly, it was because, you know, he didn't need to hang up on that cross anymore. Everything was finished. He was done. So why hang up there any longer? And thirdly, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea would have enough time to bind his body and clean his body very well for the burial process. This was necessary for when Jesus rose from the grave because decay starts to happen very quickly in a dead body, right? And so Jesus's body was not going to experience any amount of decay. And once again, we, we read that from Psalm 16, but I'm going to go back to that Psalm real quick and talk about one more thing. Psalm 16, you will not leave my soul in Sheol or Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption or decay. So that was a prophecy of Jesus. He was not going to be left in that grave. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I talked about this actually in the book of Luke. I think it was Luke chapter 23, if you want to go back and listen to that one. And I, I did an episode called, Where Did Jesus Go After He Died? And I talked about how a lot of people think that Jesus actually went to hell during his time from death to resurrection. Personally, I don't actually believe that because Shoal does not mean uh, hell when we see it in the Old Testament. Depending on, I think the K KJV version actually does translate it as hell. But what it really means is the grave. It doesn't actually say anywhere in scripture that Jesus went to hell. There's not a verse that says that. Some people get confused, though, because there is a verse from 1 Peter chapter 3 that talks about uh, Jesus going and proclaiming to the evil spirits that had disobeyed during the time of the flood. Like Jesus went and proclaimed victory to them and was like, you know, I am victorious over you. And 1 Peter kind of talks about that. 
And a lot of people have questions about that particular passage, which I will go into once we get into the book of First Peter. And uh, it is interesting to talk about. And I even have some questions about that. I'm, I'm very curious because it's only mentioned once in First Peter about Jesus doing that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus went to hell to declare victory to them. He could have just as well done that from anywhere. Personally, I think that Jesus went to a place called Abraham's bosom, but it was the resting place of everybody who was faithful before Jesus came down to earth. And I think that Jesus went there, took the people from the resting place of Abraham's bosom and uh, led them into heaven. That's, that's my personal belief. There's nothing in scripture that says that. That is just what I personally think, but I'd love to hear what you think about it. If you think that Jesus went to hell and you have a verse that you think talks about that or you've heard a good, a great argument about it, I'd love to hear about it. So contact me with that. But anyway, guys, uh, to conclude here, it says that Jesus was laid in this brand new tomb in the middle of a garden and the garden, it signifies life and beauty. So I think the one of the reasons why John mentioned the garden is because of the life and the beauty that that garden signifies. Not to mention that when Jesus rises from the grave in a few days, he was going to be mistaken as the gardener <laughs> because people weren't going to, to recognize him in his glory. But anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms. And if you write a review of the podcast, I may read it on the air and uh, respond to it personally. But anyway, guys, I hope to see you all tomorrow. We're going to talk about Joshua 14. So please tune in then. But until then, happy listening and God bless. Ooh.